Nice to see you. It's been a couple of months or more. So welcome back. And a Gitta Ben Stewart to everybody. Really a pleasure to see you. Uh, we're going to be learning over the course of this semester selections from Sifrei Hasidus. And so I'm going to be, you know, giving out handouts each time and we'll be going from one Sefer to the next. We're not going to be learning like we have in the past from one specific Sefer, but rather I thought it would be nice to do an anthology from different Sifrei Hasidus. No, I don't have the sheets. Oh, 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 oh you got them? Okay, all right, good. Yeah, there are extra photocopies in the back as well. Now, the one we'll be learning today, which I like to learn right after Parshas Voracious or right before, but we're right after, which is fine, is a selection from the Sefer HaTanya. And the Sefer HaTanya was written by Rav Shnir Zalman of Laidi, and that was the first Rebbe of Lubavitch of Chabad. He's known as the Baal HaTanya. In Chabad circles, he's known as the Alter Rebbe. He's also known as the Rav because of his great mastery of Torah. Balatani was born in 1745. So that is 15 years before the Baal Shem Tov passed away. Baal Shem Tov passed away in 1760. Now the Balatani's father was a chassid of the Baal Shem Tov. However, interestingly enough, and kind of mysteriously, the Baal Shem Tov told the Balatanya's father not to tell him anything about, about him. There was... No, that the Balatanya's father was not to tell his son about the Baal Shem Tov. Right. Okay, thank you. That would be confusing. And... There was one meeting which was at the Upshirin of the Balatanya. When the Balatanya was three years old, his father took him to the Baal Shem Tov for his Upshirin. And that's when the Balatanya met the Baal Shem Tov for the first and only time as far as I am aware. Maybe for the bris, but I'm not sure. And that was it. And the Baal Shem Tov said that the Balatanya is the Talmud of his successor, the Baal Shem Tov's successor, the Magad of Mezrich. That it's ordained in heaven, that it's, he's not his Talmud, he's his successor's Talmud. So just so I get the names right, make sure we got it, we got it clear. The Baal Shem Tov said that the Baal Hatanya was destined to be the Talmud of the Magad of Mezrich. And that is indeed what happened. So when the Balatanya was around 20, that's about 1765, he went to learn by the Magad of Mezrich. Remember, at this time, nobody is raised in Hasidic families. Hasidus just began. So when the Balatanya went to the Magad of Mezrich, he came as quite a young person, and there were already older scholars, Tamide Chachamim, who were at the Magid's place. But they still recognized in the Balatanya, in this very young man, a tremendous godless in Torah. 
So you had people there like the Rebbe Rebbe Melech of Lezhensk, the Rebbe Rebbe Zusha, the Rebbe Rebbe Shmelk of Nicholsburg, very, very great men who were older, but they recognized the greatness of the Balatanya. The Balatanya was very much respected by those Talmudim and by the Magid himself. Now in terms of that history, the Baal Shem Tov was the, the founder of Hasidus, as we all know. When he passed away, his successor was the Magid of Mezerich, Rav Dov Ber. And he, be, he was the Rebbe of the Hasidim from 1760 to 1772 when he died. So that was 12 years. And that's when the Balatanya was by him during the course of some of those years. The Magid of Mezerich instructed the Balatanya to write a Shulchan Aruch type Sefer that would follow the format of the Shulchan Aruch that we know, written by Yosef Kara and the Ramah, and follow that format but include Piskei Halacha from the several hundred years that had passed since the Shulchan Aruch was written. And the Balatanya did that at the age of 25, and he wrote what is known as the Shulchan Aruch Harav. That's what it's known as, Shulchan Aruch Harav. It's very authoritative, <clears throat> not only in Chabad circles, but in all circles. Balatanya was a Gaon in Torah, in every sense of the word, and recognized as such in all circles. And the Mishnabura, which was written by the Chavitz Chaim about a hundred years ago, includes many Piskei Halacha from the Balatanya Shulchanura, Shulchanura Harat. And he refers to him in his notes as Gimel Reish Zayn, Graz. That stands for Go'on Rabbeinu Zalman. That's how he refers to the Balatanya. So those Halachos and those Piskei Halachos that the Balatanya wrote into his Shulchan Aruch really disseminated into Klai Yisrael because he was such an influential person and as well more recently because of Chavitz Chaim incorporated a lot of that into the <coughs> Mishnabura. Very authoritative. In addition to that, he was a phenomenal leader of people, the Balatanya. So where he was, which is white Russia, near Lithuania, he was an orator, he was a very powerful personality, and there were tens of thousands of people, literally, who were drawn to his teachings and to his leadership. He did not live in Lubavitch. He was in Lidi, or Liadi. It was his son, the next Rebbe, who moved the Hasidus to Lubavitch. So really, Balatanya never lived there. But once his son moved there, then that's where the Chabad Hasidus was centered until they came over to America many, many generations later. No. Chabad is Ches Beis Dalit, which stands for, we won't see it in this mimer, but we'll probably get to it a different time, Chachma Bina Da'as. Chachma Bina Da'as is Chabad. It's all, it's, that's equivalent. That's, that's one and the same. Lubavitch and Chabad is one and the same. Chachma Bina Da'as, three words, Chachma Bina Da'as. Which is a whole concept in and of itself, but you know, now's not the time for that. Now, the 
the Bhatanya, toward the end of his life, um, he was experiencing the war of Napoleon in Europe. Uh, there was a big debate amongst tzaddikim at the time whether you are in favor of Napoleon or against Napoleon. The Jews in Eastern Europe lived in horrible poverty for hundreds of years. <coughs> Napoleon was offering you know, an entryway into a better way of life, more involved in society, less barriers, enlightened, so to speak. So there were those that were in favor of that, to relieve the suffering of the Jewish people. The Baatanya was very much against it. And he held that even though the promises of a better way of life were being offered, but assimilation would be soon to follow. Because once the barriers fall down, then the Jews will assimilate, he was concerned about, which is what happened in the time of the Enlightenment. So he was running toward the end of his life from one town to another because Napoleon's army was coming closer and they knew that he was not their supporter, considered an enemy. They were trying to track him down. And as he was on the run, he died in a city, I think it's called Piana, which is also in that region there. And I believe that's where he's buried. Now his writings include the Sefer Hatanya, which is one of the early Sifre Hasidus and offers yisodos of Hasidic thinking and Avodos Hashem, uh, really widely learned across all circles, both Hasidic and non-Hasidic. In addition, he wrote extensively on Torah, different works in Torah, Likutei Torah, Torah Or, many Ma'amorim, very prolific writer. And then, as I mentioned to you, the Shulchan Aruch which is his Sefer of Halacha. He also produced a Siddur with commentary on Piskei Halacha too, the Rav Siddur. And that's a little bit of the history of a very great person and influential person in really all the way down to, to our times. It was around 1811 when he passed away. I'm not sure if that's precisely the right year, but pretty close to that. Now, what we're going to look at today is an excerpt from the second section of the Sefer Atani, which is called the Sha'ar Hayichud V'Ha'amuna. Sha'ar Hayichud V'Ha'amuna. It's part of the Sefer Atani. The Sefer Atani has five sections to it, and this is one of the five. We're going to start five lines into it, where there's a period, and it says, Hine. And you'll see very shortly why I like to learn this right around the time of Parshas Bereshit. Hine kasiv, it is written, La'olam Hashem devorcha nitzav ba'ashamayim. Hashem, your words forever stand in heaven. You may recognize that, it's a pasuk in Tehillim from Kuf Yud Tes, which is a very long Tehillim, 176 psukim, Eight psukim for each letter. So in the Lamed section, you'll find La'olam Hashem, Devorcha Nisa Vashamai. Upir Shabal Shem Tov Zal. Baal Shem Tov explained. Ki Devorcha Sheamarta. The words which you spoke, Hashem. Yehi Rakia Besochamayim. Let there be a Rakia, literally a sky, in the midst of the waters, right from last week's parsha. 
Tevos va'osios elu, these letters and these words, hein nitzavos va'omdos la'olam, they are standing forever, besoch rakiyah ha'shamayim, in the midst of the heavens, umulu bashos, and they are closed, which means contained, besoch kol ha'rakiyim, in the midst of all of these heavens, la'olam forever, la'achayosam, to give them life. Kidichsiv, as it is written, Udavar Elokeinu Yakum La'olam, Hashem's word stands forever. Udavarav Chaim V'kayamim La'ad, and His words endure for all times. So that's step number one, that Hashem said, Yehi Rakiyah And when He said that, the Rakiyah was created. But we shouldn't think that those words were spoken and they went away. They're still there. They're always there. And it's because they're there that the Rakia exists. And that's what he means when he says that Hashem's word stands forever. Hashem's Dibur doesn't go away. It doesn't disseminate or fade. It's, it endures. And it is, it is the Devar Hashem which is the source of creation. Now, why do we say that? The Mishnah says in Pirkei Avos, Ba'asara Ma'amaros Nivra the world was created with ten statements. If you take a look at Parshas Bereshis that we just learned, it says, Vayomer Elohim, Yehi Or, Vayomer Elohim, Yehi Raki, etc. How many times does it say that? Don't say ten. That's what you want to say. Nine. It says it nine. So those are the ten Ma'amaros. What's the tenth? The word Bereshis. The word Bereshis. The Chachamim said, Bereshis nami maimer iu, that the word Bereshis is also a maimer. So if you count them up, you go, go do and check me out afterwards and say, let's count it. You'll find Vayomer Elohim nine times, not ten, right. and Bereshis is the tenth. So those are the Asura Ma'amoros. Hashem spoke the world into creation. Now that in itself is a profound concept. What does that mean? The world is created with speech. Our speech doesn't do that, but we do know that human speech is also very powerful. And we create relationships, and we build people, or we take people down by, by speaking. Very powerful words. So Hashem creates through His words, as He did then. He spoke ten statements, and those ten statements are still there. They're giving chiyus to reality. Nothing can exist without Devar Hashem allowing it to exist, making it exist. Now, following up on that, this step number two. Ki'ilu hayu ha'osios mistalkos karega chas If Hashem's words were to be retracted, literally mistalkos, disappear, and Hashem would retrieve them back to their source, back to Him. What would happen? All of the heavens would turn into absolute nothingness. And it would be as if they never existed Klal. There wouldn't even be a vestige, an imprint, a remnant. It would be vanish. Completely, as if it was never there. Just like they didn't exist 
before Hashem spoke those words, Yehirakiah. The Chain Bechol Habruin. Now he expands the idea. So too with all created things. Shebechol Ha'olamos Elyonim Betachtonim. In all worlds, both spiritual reality like Malachim and Tachtonim, physical reality. Everything is dependent on the Devar Hashem, which gives it life. And even this physical, material world that we inhabit, it's living from Devar Hashem. And even domain, which means inanimate, like a rock. If those letters through which the earth was created in the time of Bereshis were to be retracted, they would return to nothingness, like before Sheshes Yimei Bereshis. Let's talk about this a little bit and expand the concept. So first of all, Basra Ma'amaraz Nivraha Olam, that's the Chachamim's language for this, the language of Hasidus or Kabbalah, Ten Sefiros, it's the same concept, it's the same idea. And when Hashem spoke those words, that's how the world got here. And that was Zebriah, as he says, Yesh Me'ayin. So we have to ex- explore a little bit Yesh Me'ayin, which we usually translate as something from nothing. But is that truly accurate, something from nothing? Think about it for a minute. Coming from Hashem. From Hashem, right? When we say nothing was here before, it's a very qualified statement. God was here. <laughs> Hashem was here all the time. So Yesh Me'ayin means relative to everything that we have here, our world, our universe, the vast universe, even physically, that we know of in the galaxies, and spiritual reality, they were not here before. They were nothing. We were nothing. We didn't exist. That's the ayin. There was nothing. But there was, of course, Hashem. Hashem is the only being who can create yesh ayin. We create yesh miyesh. We work with something that we already have, material that Hashem already created, and then we make other things from that. Yesh miyesh. Hashem makes yesh mi'ayin. Mm-hmm. Now, let's, let's take that one step deeper. Let's say that I take a piece of wood and I fashion that into a table. So, I'm not making the table exist. And therefore, I can walk away from it and the table still exists. Hashem makes the wood exist. It's his dibur. It's his dibur which makes the wood exist. And therefore, were he to step back from that, there's no more wood. Now, if we follow that through, all the way through, that means, he says, kol habruim, all created beings. So right now, this stender in front of me, and everything we see, including us, we're living because of Devar Hashem. Devar Hashem is alive and well and vibrant, and it's right here allowing everything around us to exist. And if Hashem were to take it back, it would vanish, including us. 
So that means that everything is teeming, literally, with life and spiritual force right in front of us. It's just that we can't see it. The physical world is very dark and it blocks spiritual reality. And if we did not have a Torah to tell us this is what this object is and this is how you handle this object and this day is Shabbos and this day is Yom Tif, and this day is Chol, we'd be lost. There were a few people who could do that before the Torah came, like Avraham Avinu, Yitzhak Avinu. They knew the Torah before it was given, our Chachamim teach us. That means, following this line of thought, they understood the inner workings of reality. So let's say, for example, we didn't have a Torah, Chassisham. We take wool, we take linen, we make a coat out of them, like we do with cotton, you know, we wouldn't, no problem, what's the difference? Because we can't see the spiritual properties there. But the Torah tells us, don't do that. Don't take wool and linen and make a garment and wear it. Don't do that. And if you do that, that will distance you from God. Who would know that? Who would possibly know that? Or, let's go to more recent events. A few weeks ago, we took a palm branch and a lulav and an ethrog, and we went like this, right? So what would happen if I would do that today? Garnished, right? Nothing. I'm waving a branch. That's it. I'm waving a branch. Maybe it's fun. Maybe it's nice. Maybe people would find it interesting. Maybe they think I'm a sugar. Probably that. But on Sukkot, the qualities of those physical objects combined with the qualities of Kedusha Tazman of those days equal a mitzvah. A mitzvah minat Torah. That means eternity is now wrapped up in that motion. Olam haba. If I do it today, it's almost meaningless. Nothing is meaningless. It's almost meaningless. If I do it then, we're kona olam haba. What's happening? Because Hashem has told us that my words, devar Hashem, are in there in such a way that when you interact with these objects on this day, at this time, and it has to be this size. You have to pick it up. And when you do that, you just gained a further relationship with Hashem called the Vekus, etc. Every mitzvah is like that. And it's based on this Devar Hashem, which is inside of everything. And we need a Torah to decipher reality. Literally, without it, we're completely lost. Have you seen any comment before? Yeah, please. So just the way you... Ask that question, Yeshma yeah. it made me think that it, it sounds like a way of saying that we are not God. Because God is there, so why wouldn't you say Yeshme Hashem? But by saying Yeshme Ayan, you're saying that all of this is not God, it's not, it's kind of from Him, but it's not, we won't even say that. Yeah. And at the same time, we are completely at all times dependent. On, on his right. Now we've touched on this a little bit and it's a very yesodistic in terms of Hashkafa, right? Even though the Devar Hashem is giving this gender life, this gender is not God. Even though we have a Nishama inside of us and Hashem is allowing us to live every moment, we are not God. So Hashem is here, but He is not this. This is very Jewish, right? This is very Jewish. Because other religions 
go this way or go that way. And eventually they say, well, God is the universe. The universe is God. No, it's not. Hashem created the universe. Or, another way to deal with this, Hashem stepped away from the universe. He created and he stepped back. It's not him, but he's not really here. He's distant somewhere. So, we don't say that. The Torah approaches that Hashem is mamish right in front of us, but he is not this world. He created the world, but he's not this world. His life is here, but we and Hashem are two different things. And at the same time, we believe in another mysterious thing, Hashem has never changed. Never. Nothing has changed in Hashem. We have to hold all that as, as Eden. Yeah, please. Charney, yeah. Yes. Right. Right. That speech is always present. Right. So it could. Well, first of all, we don't know because. Asra Mamoros. Now, the Ramban kind of asks this question. He says, "Why doesn't it say?" Vayomer Hashem or Vayadaber Hashem Amosha Bereshis Baralokim. Why doesn't it say that at the beginning of the That's the Ramban's question there. And he says, because the Torah pre-existed the world. And by saying Bereshis Baralokim, you're talking about something that already exists. And Hashem wanted to bring that out by saying Bereshis and not Vayomer Hashem. Right, but Hashem created the Torah too. So this is where we get into Hashem was always here, yeah. and then my second grade kids asked, well, who created Hashem? Right. Like right. But Hashem is. Hashem is. He simply is. Okay, so then I just have another question. Mm-hmm. When did that happen, right? When did all that happen? Okay, now you're actually on track because the Baltania is going to ask that question in a different form, but we're going to answer your question. I won't jump the gun. It's, it's okay. part of this mimer. Okay. Part of this mimer. Yeah. You're on, it's a good question. <laughs> yeah, Dory, please. Um, uh-huh. Right. He blew into his nostrils in the Shema of life. And there's a Chazal on that. Man denafach, one who blows, mitoche nafach, he blows from within himself. Now, it's like any other thing in Torah which is anthropomorphic, that we're using certain terminology to relate to something. Hashem has no breath. Hashem doesn't breathe. But we're using those terms. And we're trying to say that a person is godly, but not that a person is God. 
That's how my Rebbe Zatzal used to say it, Rabbi Shlomo Tversky. Godly. No. And why? Because you can't break down Hashem down into pieces like we learned in the Ramchal. Achtus HaPashut. If we take a piece of Hashem, we've just limited God, that really is contrary to the Yisodas of Amuna. We are creations from Him, meaning He created us, but He is not us. And he put within us a godly essence, which is our neshama, a godly, not God. So a lot of people say, yeah, our neshama is a piece of God. It's not really true. Another way to say it, also from the Ramchal, that the neshama is a created being. It's a nivra. Hashem is the creator. You can't say that the created is the creator. That's two different things. So that means God created part of himself at that time? No. Hashem is always here. So he made something called the neshama. He made something called the Torah. And he gave it over to us. And it's very precious and dear and lofty and godly, but that's how we would explain that. And in English, these words often are mistranslated. I'm going to just move across this way a little bit. Mrs. Fran, you had a, a hand up, I'm sorry. Mrs. Fran, you had a hand up a minute ago? I, I was going to say that yeah. we constantly yeah. hear in Shiorim, yeah. peace of Hashem. Right. And we look at each other and say, go. 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 Again. That's because you learned the Derech Hashem, so you know yeah. that that's not true. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a misconception, and it's, it's not correct, as we saw. That is contrary to Achdu Sapashu. Hashem is oneness, there's no parts, there's no divisions, there's no pieces, it's all oneness, and only He is like, like that, not us. Our children, are they a piece of us or not? No, are a couple of things. Three, three partners in a, in a, a child, Gemara says, father, mother, Hashem. So the father creates certain things that come from his zera. The woman have other things that come from her egg, and then all the DNA that's mixed in there together. And the neshama comes from Hashem. God puts in the soul. So there's a there's a yesh meyesh. Yeah, no, but it's it, in a, in a way, you know, you could certainly say it's an extension of us. It came that that zera and that egg mixed together to form that child to conceive that child. No. no. Yeah, Linda, please. The conundrum is, the like, complication there is that there's a here, there, and everywhere. Like, if Hashem is everywhere, then how can there be something that's outside of Him? Right. And that's why I think they teach it that way. Because right. you can't say Hashem is everywhere and then say, but we're not there. Like, right. But you have to say that. Right. Otherwise, you're saying this is God. Right. And it's not. Right. Well, it, that may be a way to understand that. It's possible. possible. The idea is certainly correct. The idea is correct. Yeah, Sarah, please. So, so are you saying basically that saying a piece of God is really no different than saying Yad Hashem? In other words, it's just a way for us to understand that just like a parent passes on certain traits, um, so, so to Hashem, in other words, passes on godly traits to people, gives that to people, doesn't give it to animals right. or whatever, gives that to Right. Just a way to say it because there is no other way. Right, but the language is important because the peace of God is misleading. 
Now, so is Yad Hashem, except we've been taught that we know that doesn't really mean Hashem has a Yad. It's, it's conveying a concept to us. So we know that. When we hear a piece of Hashem, someone goes, hold on a second, like, that sounds a little different. So it's a little more misleading because we're not accustomed to that. But I wouldn't even say it that way. I would not say a piece of God. I think that's, that's too misleading, and it really goes against the concept of Ahdu Sapashu. That Hashem cre- created us. We're godly, created, so to speak, in his image. That's how I would say it. He created in the Shema. He gave it to us, but it's not him. And so you're feeling as if a different rabbi would say, if you're saying mm-hmm. all the time, it's what that rub means. It's just his word that he's using. But most likely. <laughs> most likely. Unless he didn't learn the Derek Hashem. <laughs> Which, which could happen, uh, which could happen. But if, if, if he is knowledgeable about those things, then, yeah, that's what he did. Yeah, yeah please, Miria. Yeah. Um, voracious is considered one of the monologues. Yes. Now, I heard that you should not look beyond, like it's, it's like closed, so you shouldn't look on the other side because it's impossible for us to well you you did it very well that that idea is that there is there's that which is beyond the base has a back you know and you can't go past that so there are certain things that we clearly do explore that we're given permission to explore other things that we say it's it's above our comprehension we can't grasp it and that's where we stop so when it says voracious is uh, one of the Mahmari, yes. right? So what do we mean by that? That there was a beginning. So the the Ramban says that that means the creation of time. Uh-huh. Okay. The word voracious refers to the creation of time. Before the world is created, there's no word to really say before the world was created. Right? There's no time. There's no time. But yeah. Hashem created time. Because time is also a nivra. Time is also a created thing. So Beratius alludes to that. Yeah, yeah Revison, please. So, when we say that we're godly, mm-hmm. um, then we say that we do, that God is unknowable, and we can never know the essence of Hashem. Right. Then when we say that we're godly, we're saying that we are like God in the ways that he has revealed to us that he is, but we don't really know who he is. Right. We are, I'll say that again. We are like God in the ways that he has revealed to us, but we don't really know who he is. That's exactly right. And in that sense, we're not like him. No. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Please. Yeah. So, I was wondering, yeah. how does that compare to when we say Hashem created the world and keeps on creating it every day? Th- that's this concept, that that's the Devar Hashem is always there. That's the same Right, thing. and it's bringing so the better. world into being. Yesh me'ayin, at every instance. Hamachadish, betuva, b'choyom, tombin, ma'aseh, that's this idea. And were he to take it away, there would be no world. Okay, now I'm just going to go a little over. I'm sorry, I missed your... Go ahead, please. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I know without a neshama, a person is not alive. Right. But there's more to a person than their neshama. Right. How do you look at the 
So we're body, we're body and soul. We're, we're guf and neshama. Vim ruchi gviyasi. And the neshama infuses us with life and also with an attachment to shamayim on high. So what we do makes an impression in shamayim. But we really are both. And we're, we are, what we are meant to do is have our spiritual neshama uh, influence profoundly our physical body. And ultimately, when we come back in Tchiyas HaMesim, we come back as body and soul. Guf and Nisham. It's a different body. It's a spiritual body, but we are both body and soul. So, you say that part of spiritual growth is getting more in touch with one's Nishama, being more people to sure. feel them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, feeling one's Nishama is already a vague term because we don't really know what that means. The way we get in touch with our Nishama really is through the Torah. The Torah guides us on how we, you know, try and, and relate to our neshama. Anytime we do a mitzvah, we are more in touch with our neshama, by definition. Anytime we say a word of davening or tehillim or a word of Torah, by definition, we're connected to Ratzon Hashem. Now, in terms of midos, hard chesed, maisim tovim, tzedakah, all those things are neshamadik. They're allowing the soul's midos to flow through our body. Midos tovos. Sorry about that. Right, right. We, we end up living very physical lives. We become preoccupied with physicality. We forget our spiritual essence. That's the battle of, of human life. Yeah, yeah. It has to be connected to action. That's also the essence of Yiddishkeit, that this has to drive itself into our physical behavior. Otherwise, we're just floating with spiritual concepts, but we're not... We're not putting them into the world. Hashem wants them put into the world. That's our role. It's better than nothing, but as we all know, it becomes very dry. Mm-hmm. Very, very dry. Mm-hmm. So we want to have make sure that you're... consciousness, awareness, reflection, taking a step back, thinking about what we're doing always trying to consider what it is that we're doing in this world and our relationship to Hashem. We do mitzvahs mindlessly, you know, by rote. Then we become disconnected to the spiritual contact. It's not that it's not there, but we're not connected to it. Okay, so please be mochami, but I just want to go vital. I'll never get to up the whole time. Okay. So now he's going to take a concept from the Arizal. Vizeshur Kasuv Arizal. Shagam bedomeim mamish. The Ari writes that even when it comes to an inanimate object, we're about six, seven lines up. Kamo avanim, like rocks, or dirt, mayim, and water. Yesh bechinas nefesh vechiyus ruchnius. That there is a type of nefesh to an inanimate thing, like a rock or water, a spiritual spark. So what is that? It's not, it's not the same as saying it has a soul, like we do. The Hainu it is, Bechinas Hislabshus, Osios Hadibur Me'asora Ma'amoros, Hamachayosu Mahavos Es Hadomim Lihios Yesh Me'ayin Ve'efes. We're talking about 
the Devar Hashem in that inanimate object which is, allows it to exist and gives it life, that's its nefesh. So Yehi Rokia Hamayim, those words are the nefesh of the sky. And every single thing that exists, when the Arizal said it has a nefesh, it means the spark of Devar Hashem, which is present. And so now, going back to your question, Charna, he's going to mention it with the word Evan, you mention it with the word Mayim. We have Asurama Amaros. There's a lot more things in the world than are written in the Asurama Amaros. It would be a very limited world, like rocks, trees, you know, some planets. So where does everything come from if it's not written in the Asurama Amaros? Even though the word Evan is not written in the Torah, it doesn't say Yehi Evan. Nonetheless, the Chiyus comes to the rock through Tzirufim, the Chilufe Osios, combinations and recombinations of letters. So Hashem takes an Aleph from here, and a base from here, and a Nun from here, and He makes Evan. And the same thing with everything else that exists, and the same thing with Mayim. Everything has the Osios of Lashon HaKodesh inside of them to give them life. Now, He uses a Kabbalistic term to describe these combinations. Hamiskalgalos, they come about. Beresh, Lamed, Aleph, Sha'orim, Panim, V'achor through 231 gates, front, frontward and backward. I'm going to say, Rabbi Goldberger, what does that mean? I'm going to say, I have no idea. <laughs> As it's written in the Sefer Yitzir, which is by Avraham Avinu, one of the fundamentals for him of Kabbalah. So this process of recombination and of letters over and over again to form everything into creation is called Reish Lamed Aleph Sha'orim Panim V'Ochor. 231 gates, frontward and backward. Hashem uses this process to create everything. Kamashrikas B'Sefer Yitzira. Ad, until, Shemish Tal Shel. That's a familiar word to us from the Ramchal, Hishtal Shalus. Until it comes down, it chains down. Me'asora Ma'amoros, from the ten Ma'amoros, V'nimshach Mehen, and comes forth from them. Tziruf Shem Evan, the combination of the letters Aleph Beis Nun Evan, and now you have a stone. Vuhu Chiyuso Shel Evan, that's the very life existence of that rock. That's why it can be. V'chein B'chol Hanivroim Sheva Olam, and likewise all creations Hashemo Shenikroim Bohem B'Lashon Hakodesh, the names that we call it in Lashon Hakodesh, true authentic Hebrew. Hain hain osios hadibur hamishtalshos mimadregla madrega. Those are the very letters that come down from level to level. Me asora ma'amoros shabatorah, beginning with the ten ma'amoros ayidechi lufi mutamuros haosios by these constant recombination of letters. Bereish lamed alav shorim ad shemagios umislab shos baoso nivra lahachayoso until it finally comes down into that very specific creation and gives it life. So now, when Adam... Gates. Gates. A gate. 
So 231 gates, frontward and backward, whatever that means. Right? That's how Hashem does it. So we have Adam naming the animals in this past week's parsha. So now, now we know. What does that mean? How did he do that? What, how did he name a lion? Well, he understood what, what their essence was. He knew the, the essence. that had to be Right, there. that's right. Because he also understood the essence of the letters. Right, he understood the essence of the animal and the letters. He saw Misofa Olam, the Sofa. What's that? How did he know that? Because he is Yitzir Kappa of Shalak Kodesh Baruch. He's Hashem's handiwork. And he was created wise enormously wise, wiser than we can imagine. He was not created a child, he was created an adult, and he was created and accomplished it though. It was, it was built in. That's the Chachamim when they say... But he was born as a child. No, he was created as a man. Like No, no. <laughs> Hashem created an adult. Hashem did not create a child. Adam. Hashem created an adult person, Adam. No, no, Adam. Adam. He created an adult human being, and he also created an enormously intelligent, wise, insightful, literally, misofa olam v'yad sofa, mind. That's what Adam had. So we call it a lion. Did I say the wrong word? No, I just want to know if Shlomo Hamelech is wise. I don't know. In some way, he was wiser, it sounds like. In some ways, but I don't know. Yeah, so I just want to answer. Yeah, okay. All right. So, we, we decide, right? There's an animal. We decide, okay, we'll call it a lion. But it's not, that's not really what it is. We just have agreed upon that. And the same with any language. But all of Reishud, Ari, that's what it is. That's the essence of, the, of that creation. And it always goes back to the Devar Hashem. That's how Odin named the animals. He saw into their essence. He knew exactly what they were, and he called it that. Now, I'll take it one step further, then I'll, get, then I'll get your questions. When a Navi sees in a vision, and it's described as an animal, like Yechezkel saw the Merkava, the Pnei Nesher, the Pnei Shur, the Pnei Ari, he saw an eagle and an ox and a, and a lion and a person. So he's not seeing a physical image like we do. That's down here. He's seeing the Shoresh of that creation. He is seeing its spiritual source up there in Shemayim. So he is seeing a lion and an eagle and an ox, but he's seeing it up there. And you can accurately call it a lion because that's what it is. And when it filters down here into our world, that's what it looks like is a lion or an eagle. And the Nevim that the Torah writes about and the things that they see, that's what they're looking at. They're looking at the Devar Hashem, which is the source of physical creation. Okay, so now I guess you can see why I like to learn this by Bereshis, because the Hirakib is Chamaim, and it's telling us a little bit about what happened then, which is still here right now, keeping the world, you and me, and everything alive. The Devar Hashem is right there the same way it was when Hashem spoke it, and everything came into being through all these recombinations, and it's still here, and it's still happening, and we can relate to Devar Hashem as something immediate and present, because it is. Mamish immediate and present. Yes, Ilana, please.
you, you have to really have both. That there's a, a cloliastic thing for a species, and then there's the individual members of that species, like little subcategories of that clol. And then each one of those has a little spark of that. Every lion is a lion. Each lion has that aleph, resh, yud in it, but somehow it's slightly different than the others. And the same for all species. So it's, it's there be chlal and it's there be fraud as well. It is because Lashon HaKadosh is Chaf Beis Osios, and once you have the 22 letters of the Torah mentioned, now you have everything, because it all comes from there. And if you have a letter that's not mentioned, you can still, um, although they are eventually all mentioned, you can combine four parts of Yud and Vav, I think we showed it once, to create every letter. They all come down to that. Yes, I think that we're finished, right? We yes, yes, yes. Oh, I didn't get that. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. But this the semester class has been sponsored by dear Tanya Schiffman in memory of her beloved mother Esther Sarah Bat Mazal. And here, Shalom, having a meal. Amen. 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 Thank you. Okay, I'm sorry that I have to stop. We have a lot more questions, but. If you remember them, I will try to, if you remember them next week, we can start with that and then we'll go from there. Have a great day, everybody. Yes, I heard it's very good.